Well, hello, teachers, and welcome back to another episode of the Teaching Middle School ELA podcast. Caitlin here with you guys. And Jessica, hey, everybody. Hope you are doing well on this Tuesday morning, if that's when you're listening. Yes, back to school time. Some people have been back in school, I know, for like a couple weeks already. Some people are just going back to school this week. We always went back like mid-August, except when we worked together. I loved going back after Labor Day. I did too. It was such a treat. Oh, it was such a treat own kids. So like my two, my son starts kindergarten, you guys just sharing that right now. And my (laughs) oldest is going into third grade and they start next week. And then Harper doesn't start preschool for a while, but I'm really, really excited for school to start again. (laughs) They are so excited. So it's a good time of year. Jameson's going to be in third, third grade. grade. Okay. This is weird for me because I taught third grade for a a little bit of time. And like, they seemed big to me. Right. And so now I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's my own kid. Like, it's just, it's very strange, but I'm happy for him. He is a great teacher this year. He actually has, this is kind of funny. He has the husband of his teacher from last year. Oh, no way. He had the wife last year, the husband this year. And like, they are just so great. So he's pumped. How (laughs) funny, you know, my both my parents actually taught third grade. I don't know if you, did you know, my dad was the teacher too. I did He PE, right? He taught PE, but then he was also a third grade teacher. And then he was a vice principal for a while. And he did not like being a vice principal because he was like the dean of students and had to deal with all the discipline issues. He'd much rather be like playing sports out on the yard with the kids. Um, but one year my mom and dad on April fool's day switched classrooms and like oh went to each other's schools <laughs> into their classrooms. Wait, they were at different schools and they yeah, to- that's yeah. hilarious. <laughs> Too I cute. Know. So fun. <laughs> um, anyways, side note. So today we're going to be talking about one of Jessica's like favorite first day mm-hmm. of school activities that she's done with her students. I've actually never done this one because I didn't know that you did it when we met each other. Right. And I just think it's so fun. And I cannot wait to hear all about it. So before we dive in though, I want to remind everybody to please subscribe to the podcast. Just click the little subscribe button wherever you listen. And we'd also love for you to leave us a review on iTunes. That really just helps us spread the word about our podcast um, and let other middle school ELA teachers listen to us as well. So with that being said, Jess, are you ready to to dive in and give us the details? So excited. (laughs) Um, And I am going to preface this by saying, yes, I did this on the first day of school, but if you've already started school or you're like, you know what? I just, I can't add another thing to my schedule on the first day of school. Do it some other time in the year. It works anytime. I just like to, you know, hook my students with this activity. It might even be good. Like around Halloween. Oh, Halloween would be perfect for this. You'll see why, as I start to tell it, um, before an argumentative writing unit, it is perfect for that before teaching responses to literature. So many opportunities. I know a lot of our, um, ED teachers have started to do this activity. So I'm so pumped about that. Awesome. Cool. So basically what I wanted to do with my students on the first day of school is hook them with a mystery, right? What student doesn't love an unsolved mystery? And I would say, I want your help trying to solve it. And we would get in detective groups. I would read them the story. I'm going to share it with you. I would ask them questions. We would debate different theories. And then I would have them fill out an evidence tracker. So they would have to come up with their own theory as to what happened in this mystery. And it was a true mystery from history. They would have to use evidence from the story I read them. We did additional research online. I would find short videos to show them. And then they'd have to justify their reasoning. So why do they think their theory is actually what really happened? And then we'd share them with the class. Why I did this with my students is because it set the tone for the entire year, right? All throughout the year, we're going to be finding evidence. 
we're going to be justifying our evidence and we have to do it through our writing and through speaking. So I wanted them to know, Hey, this is important in Miss Kanata's ELA class. So we are doing it from day one. And what I loved about this activity is it truly grabbed their attention. I mean, it's a fascinating story and they would go home and they would tell their parents about it. And their parents are like, I've never heard of this. And they'd start Googling it and they'd talk about it with their students. And it just got us all involved and all excited and like, what a win for the classroom. Right. Yeah. So the story is of the Mary Celeste and it's an unsolved mystery from history. And there is a children's book you can buy. It's what I used in my classroom. It's by Jane Yolen and it's a picture book. I actually read it with my oldest son, Jameson, the one going into third grade. He loves this one. Even his younger brother, they're fascinated by it. And so I would read it to my students and I would pause throughout. So I'm going to give you the gist, the gist of the story right now. Cause some of you who don't know, it might be like, all right, what is this all about? (laughs) all about? So it actually takes place a pretty long time ago in the 1800s. And there was this, um, ship called the day Grazia. I might be saying that wrong. I'm not sure, but on November 15th, 1872, it was leaving New York and it was headed toward Europe. And a few days into the trip, they're sailing along and the sailors see this like smudge on the horizon. And they're like, what is that? We're in the middle of the Atlantic ocean. So they get permission from their captain to go closer and they realize, oh my gosh, it's another boat, but something's wrong with this boat. It just looks weird. It's kind of like, I don't know if staggering is the right word, but it's going off course. It's moving around. So their captain says, okay, why don't some of you go on board and investigate? Cause maybe the people are in trouble, right? So some of the sailors from the day Grazia, they they get in their rowboat and they sail over to this other boat. They see that the name of the boat is the Mary Celeste and they call out for people and they don't hear anything. So they climb on board. And when they go on board, they're like, this is so strange. There is no one on this ship. And it gets weirder because they start looking around and they're like, all right, it doesn't look like anything happened though. Like we still see the breakfast dishes out and we see the captain's log and it was filled in recently. And like, nothing's really amiss. There's not a mess. It doesn't look like things have been stolen, but there are some things missing that they start to realize. And so they don't really know what to do. They go back to their captain and their captain says, all right, I'm going to allow three of you to go on board that ship and you're going to sail it. You're going to continue taking it to Europe. Because there's this weird, like maritime law, I guess that it's kind of like finders keepers. Like (laughs) you found the ship, it's now yours. And so the people on the day Grazia could claim the ship. They had to go to court and argue, you know, why they would get it. But if they get it, then they actually got control of everything on the ship, including Mm -hmm. the cargo. They could get some money out of this. So in court, there were all these theories about like what happened to the people what happened to the Mary Celeste? So that's the story I read with my students. And then they have to come up with the theory Wait, using evidence. Is it real? It's 100% real. <laughs> Isn't that, I mean, it's kind of creepy, right? Do they have like, have there been like, I don't know, discovery channel shows about it or. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You can, I mean, Google them. You're going to find so much on Wait, this. What's your theory about what happened? Do you really want me to share it right now? Maybe at the end. Okay. 
Okay. I mean, I will, I have a theory <laughs> so I can tell you there are six like pretty common theories. And if you use the children's book that I mentioned, the, again, the title is the Mary Celeste, an unsolved mystery from history by Jane Yolen. If you use that book, like I did, it, um, covers the six most common theories in the back. And it asks like these probing questions. So I liked to share those with my students after Mm -hmm. they came up with their own theories and found evidence and then did justification. So cool. Yeah. So, so much fun. I mean, this would honestly take two class periods because there was so much discussion happening. So it's really like a first two days of school activity, Mm -hmm. but students were just so into it. They would see it on our schedule and they were like, wait, we're solving a mystery. And then when they saw that it was on the second day too, like they could not wait for that class period. <laughs> That's so and fun. it just was so great. And again, in setting the tone for the school year in showing them that this is what we're going to be doing is, you know, not solving mysteries, but always searching for evidence, always asking questions throughout the entire school year. And so I just am obsessed with this activity. You can probably hear it, how excited I am, but <laughs> I encourage you try it in your own classroom again at Halloween or before an argumentative unit. It just gets them into it and gets them doing higher level thinking, which is so much fun. So basically all I need is the book an mm-hmm. evidence tracker with the question. What's the question I would give my students? What happened to the Mary Celeste yeah. or what's your theory? What's your theory about what happened to the Mary Celeste? And then I would write down, or I would have three columns evidence or sorry, theory, evidence, justification. Awesome. And then and they you, share with each other. Do you give so them much like, do they fill it out? Uh, they'll fill it out as they're reading the book or do you read the book once and then they go back or like, and do you read it twice? Like, how no, do you that's do a good question. That? So they did not come up with their theory till the end, but they were taking just loose notes as they listened because they would write down like, wait, you know, what did that mean when the book said this or what's the, you know, like yeah, yeah. what's happening here. So they'd write down any like thoughts they would have and we'd discuss it. And I would go really slowly. I would use my document camera, Mm -hmm. love that thing, (laughs) to show them all the pictures. There's a lot of vocabulary in the children's book. So we would stop and like explain what a sextant is or, you know, other tools you might find on a ship that they're just not familiar with. Uh Uh-huh. It was really helpful to go very slowly with that do their own notes and then graphic organizer at the end. And you could even, I mean, like with older students, with eighth grade students, you could take it a whole other level and tell them, okay, pick your theory. And then I want you to present on it or like even write a full response to literature on 100%. your theory with a variety of sources, you know, not oh, yeah. just the you children's could. book, like online, other sources that they might find. Yes. You could turn this into definitely like a mini unit. I just chose to do it as a two day, like quick grab their attention, but absolutely you could extend this and make it more rigorous. So fun. Okay. So what's your theory about what happened? Okay. So I have two and it's so funny. You asked me this because like I said, Jameson loves this book. So he was reading it again the other night and he's like, mom, I hate reading it before bed because it makes me nervous. So tell me, what do you (laughs) think happened? (laughs) Um, Okay. So two, I do believe in the the conspiracy theory of the De Grazia. I think maybe something with those of the ship that found the Mary Celeste. Uh Uh-huh. Maybe they did want access to all the cargo and the money. And so they're more involved than we think, right? We're really basing our um, opinions on this, on their observations. Maybe someone was on board the Mary Celeste and we don't know. It's very strange. And then the other theory I have is that the people on board, the Mary Celeste, maybe something did happen to them and they took the rowboat and got off the ship thinking, oh, we'll be right back. Mm. But then they never could get back. 
Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense, but like maybe they were in danger or they thought something dangerous was going to happen. And they're like, let's just get off the ship, but we'll stay close by. And then for some reason, maybe they couldn't get back on. Interesting. I don't know. Do you have any theories just listening? Yeah. There's some doozies out there. Probably the first one seems more reasonable than maybe the second one, just like logically, Mm -hmm. but I don't know. I mean, I love stuff like that. So do I. I mean, (laughs) of course students come up with like totally obscure ones, like a sea monster came. And then we can talk about like, is that logical evidence? So it's fun. (laughs) I love it. Well, thank you so much for walking us through all of that because I feel like, okay, I have a very clear picture of what I can do. Just go grab that book. I mean, do, they probably have it at the local library too, right? So you don't have they to do. buy for it. For sure. You don't have to go buy it on, not at all, but I think it's, it's pretty reasonably priced. It's like, I'm looking at the back of my book. It's six 99. It comes in paperback. So, nice. so worth it. And then to actually one final thing, it's so good to leave it in your classroom library. Students will mm-hmm. continue to check this out and um, just be intrigued by it and want to study more on it. So cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jessica. I love that. Yeah. If you guys end up using it, let us know, tag us on Instagram at EB academics, or let us know in our Facebook group, if you're an EB teacher. Um, and then as we kind of wrap things up with this first day of school activity next week, we're going to be talking about, um, what I feel, I know you didn't use this strategy. Um, but I believe it's the single most effective classroom management strategy that I've ever used in all of my years of teaching. Um, and I know we talk a lot about, you know, you've got to have communication with your students, connection with your students, you know, those relationships with your students in order to have like a positive classroom environment. Yes, that's true. But you also have to have systems. You also have to have processes. And this system that I'm going to share next week on the podcast episode made the world of a difference with behavior. I had basically no behavior problems in my classroom maybe ever, you know, maybe a handful of students every now and then, and you have a little conversation with them, like, Hey, Jessica, what's going on? You know, is everything okay with you? We can Mm -hmm. talk about that next week. Um, but I love this classroom management strategy. And I know a lot of our teachers in our EB world use it as well. So we'll be talking all about that on the podcast next week. Make sure that you join us, have a wonderful rest of your week, you guys, and we will see you later. Bye everybody.